0: This is the 200 Churches Podcast, episode 59.
1: And they looked at me like I was smoking crack or something. (laughs) They said, how can you be redemptive and fire somebody? And I I said, you absolutely can by honoring them and the way you do it and how you say it and dignity and the process. And anyways, we stepped it all out. But the truth of the matter is, it's a completely different way of making sure we stay grounded in God's love by making sure... Our leadership is first redemptive, then things like vision, strategy, effectiveness, and so forth become really powerful.
0: Thank you for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast, where we're focused on pastors of small churches, 200 churches to be exact. Every Wednesday, we release a podcast episode that will lift your spirits, lighten your load, and let you laugh. Today, the guys are joined by Dan Ryland, the pastor's coach. You can find Dan
2: at danryland.com. And now, here are two guys who lead and pastor in a 200 church, the Mac and PC of ministry podcasts, Jeff and John. Thanks so much for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast. I'm Johnny Craig, and as usual, I'm here with my confidant. Jeff Katie. Jeff, how you doing today, man? I'm doing very good, Johnny. It is snowy again. Yes. Every time it melts, it comes back. It's almost March, though. So it should be done. Well, in March then we you know, we're we're toward the spring. It'll no
0: longer snow in March. See, March twenty first is what, the first day of spring, I think. It is.
2: Last year in our in our town in northwest Iowa, it snowed on May first. Yes, it did. I would love for somebody to beat that as far as the latest snow they experienced. Well, who
0: was it? Somebody recently said that uh, on our podcast they were joking about Buffalo and they yes. said they have two seasons. Winter and July. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. They get now. It snows up in Buffalo. We don't yeah. get snow quite like that. That's nasty.
0: Well, Johnny, today the last Wednesday of February, we have Dan, the man, Dan the Enforcer, Ooh, Ryland, Dan Ryland. He's joining us. He's talking about last last month. We talked about the six words for small churches. Yep. This month we talk about the six words for small. Church pastors. Yeah, and
2: as usual, Dan brings just fantastic content. I mean, I feel so blessed that we get to talk to Dan on this podcast. He has so much experience and so many great things to share with small church pastors. And the fact that he takes time out to talk to us, I mean, it's just fantastic. So you're going to want to listen to these six words. Take notes. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to take notes. But seriously, these six words, uh, they're important. They're important for small church pastors to hear and to really believe about themselves, I think. You know, you say take notes, and it
0: reminds me that, you know, when people listen to podcasts, it's usually they've got their earbuds in and they're walking or they're exercising or they're doing something. Yeah. Hopefully doing something productive, especially <laughs> yes. if they're listening to our podcast.
2: Yeah. Right now, we hope you are doing something productive. See, our
0: podcast isn't productive, it's encouraging. Right so it doesn't necessarily have to be productive anyway it reminds me of the number of listeners that we've picked up just in the last in the last month i mean our listenership has sailed in yeah, the last month absolutely uh, just a lot more and so if you are a new listener to the 200 churches podcast we want to welcome you remind you that the purpose of this podcast is ministry encouragement for small church pastors we're not here to teach you theology we're not here to teach you all kinds of ministry stuff as much as you know we talk about ministry we talk about our lives as pastors and uh, our lives as church leaders uh, but mostly, we want to encourage you. We want you to walk away inspired and and really understanding that what you're doing in your two hundred church is really going to make an impact in the kingdom of God.
2: It makes a huge, huge impact, and that 's something that small church pastors i think we just need to hear over and over um because it can it can feel stale sometimes preaching to the same. Group of people. Jeff, you and I were just joking about this. It's, it's much easier to preach to a room full of people you've never met, right, than to preach to a room full of people where you know all of their names.
0: I came back from speaking to a to a Christian school theology class and I told Johnny, I've discovered my calling in life. I am going to be a special speaker. <laughs> a special speaker. Yeah. Where I am i am no longer I'm never going to speak to the same group twice again. Yeah. I'm going to have a new group in front of me every time I speak. You know how easy that is? It's easy. That is so easy. It's as my son would say, it's like taking candy. From a baby. Oh my. It is. So conversely, it's difficult if Very you're in difficult. a church, especially a small church yeah. where you're interacting with people on a personal level throughout the week. Absolutely. Week after week, Sunday after Sunday, and they hear you and your voice sounds to them understandably like wah 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 wah. <laughs> You know, Charlie Brown, Charlie Brown world. So as a small church pastor, we want to encourage you and remind you that the the
2: difference you're making in the lives of your people is huge. huge. It's absolutely huge. So if you enjoy the podcast, if you're blessed by the podcast, we would encourage you. And we've done this before and we'll continue to do it. Just send this out to your, your friends. Send this out to other pastors of small churches that you know could use some encouragement. We don't. We are not making uh, money from this podcast, right? This is all... Yet. Yet, yeah. This is all for encouragement. (laughs) This is all for you. And so, you know, we're not asking you to pat our pockets. We're asking you because we believe in the message that we're putting out there. So share it. Uh, Share it with somebody else who, who could use some encouragement. Well, we're not making
0: money yet, but we do refer often to our opulent and luxurious 200 Churches Podcast studio. We do. We and do. And in fact, we're, let's not tell them, but if you go to 200churches.com and you look at the last Wednesday's post of February, you're going to see a picture of one of the items in our studio. Yeah. I mean, a very upscale luxurious, furnishing. That's, a luxurious and elegant item. Yes.
2: Upscale furnishing at its finest. But if
0: you were to come here, you would be able to enjoy. We would love you to come and, and enjoy that item. <laughs> Well, let's move right into this next episode with Dan Ryland, where we talk about the six words for small church pastors. Well, Dan, you're back with us here
1: in February. You promised you would come, so thank you Uh, for being on the podcast. I'm back, and thank you for the invitation. It's uh, good to be back with both you and Johnny. I hope you're having a good day, by the way.
0: Well, we're having a good day. It's a little cold here, but... It is
1: freezing cold. Dan, (laughs) what's the temperature in Atlanta today? Well, it's actually cold today. We're in, like the, in the 30s somewhere here. So oh, man, that's for cold this, weather. For this that southern is cold. Yeah, well, for the Southern California guy who's used to palm trees in 72. Uh, you want San Diego I, back? Is that what you're trying to say? I want the weather back. I do. <laughs> I do. I want the weather back.
2: They say San Diego is like the most beautiful place to live if you
1: are loaded out of your mind. I think that's if, how they say it. You, you know, it can get a little pr- bit pricey, but you, here, here's the thing. When you, when you trade the Pacific Ocean for the Chattahoochee River, you know God was in it because <laughs> nobody makes that trade unless God you know, tells them to. <laughs>
0: exactly. Well, Dan, I grew up 60 miles east of Buffalo. Oh. That's where I grew up, and I used to think as a kid that California, I mean, it might as well have been heaven, honestly, In my mind, I I couldn't imagine how good California
1: actually was. I've still never even
2: been out there. Twenty-seven years of life. Oh, Johnny, you
1: got to go to SoCal. It's so good. I'm gonna. I'm I'm gonna. My wife wants to go bad. And Buffalo, I heard there was two seasons there: winter and July.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My sister lives in Buffalo. Yes, that's very very true. She she moved there in I think early October, October sixteenth. This was several years back. October sixteenth, they had like eighteen inches of snow, oh. and she could heart, couldn't even get out of her garage. So there you go. Wow. Well, hey, listen. Last month we talked about six words for small churches, and this month we're talking about six words. And you've written this in a in a blog post you wrote for the pastor's coach, which we'll link to uh, at on the post for this po- for this episode. But this month we're talking about six words for small church leaders. But in that post, you tell the story about this guy that
1: was was he your first client uh, that you work as a church consultant? He was. Uh, his name was Mark. a Great guy. We're still friends, and we actually keep in touch over you know nearly seventeen no seventeen years something like that a long long time. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember such a great story because uh, this. Uh, leader, his name was Mark, of a of a small church in a little tiny town called Ruston, Louisiana. Ooh. Um, you know, I had I had flown out, and you know, I guess whenever you you're doing something, something, it's like your first sermon. There's always a first, mm-hmm. and this this was my first church consulting with John Maxwell and the Enjoy Company after we had left Skyline. You know, and I guess it'd be around 1995, maybe. And and uh, we it, we went. It was great, and it was you know. I think I think God helped me a little bit, but I had written him a little a little report, and uh, and and Mark said, you know, thanks for being with me. But he said, basically, he said that this really wasn't very good, and and it wasn't <laughs> very helpful. And he said, I really was expecting a lot more out of someone like you. And anyways, he he just took this big step of courage and. And he really demonstrated quite a profound insight that had he not done that, I could have gone to church after church after church and not really understood this principle. And here's the principle that I that I learned from, from Mark is that God can God could give me gifts and abilities as a practitioner in a local church. But that didn't mean I was a good consultant. Actually I was a I was a terrible consultant. I didn't I hadn't yet learned how to Translate or or communicate what I knew to an individual's different environment, and I'm grateful to Mark to this very day for his courage, for his willingness to say, "Man, I I like you, and you you get church, and you're a good leader, but man, that doesn't make you a good consultant." And I, you know, (laughs) and it it was very very helpful. And when I think about that story, I. I get reconvinced more and more that the number one difference maker in a small church is the pastor as a leader. A guy, a gal who is willing to step up and speak up, rise up, and make a difference. And he did.
2: Yeah, you, you pointed it out. Mark showed courage, and that is actually the first word that you have for small church leaders to know is courage. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Well, courage is needed by, by all leaders, and I think the greatest demonstration of courage or de- greatest demonstrations of courage are always with people more than projects, more than programs. Hmm. You know, programs don't argue with you. <laughs> they do whatever mm-hmm. you tell them to do. And I think you know, among the top demands for courage are things – let's go real practical here, guys. Things like saying no, uh, saying no to a ministry. Uh, I think another one, a second one is confronting sin. Mm-hmm. Um, we just just recently had to. There was a, a volunteer leader who was having an affair, and no one wanted to touch it. No one wanted to say anything. Uh, a third is speaking truth. Uh, I can th- I think of several stories and all these, but a, a particular leader not tithing, and <clears throat> whether it's having to uh, say no to somebody or confront sin or or speaking truth, um, and we can tell stories about any or all of these. Here's what I've learned over the years, that nearly every church is one tough decision away from a breakthrough. Hmm. And most Mm -hmm. leaders know what it is, whether it's letting somebody go or saying no or confronting sin or speaking truth or whatever it might be. They're one tough call away from a breakthrough. And when they're willing to step up and make that call that they usually know what it is, I've watched churches really begin to blossom under that moment of courage. You know, Dan,
0: I was reading a book a couple years back, several years back now. It's called A Failure of Nerve by Mm. Edwin Friedman. And in this book, he talks about the problem with leaders who are peacemongers. And Hmm. as I read that, he was basically talking about courage, but the courage to be able to lead and make the tough call and make decisions and not be swayed by by the crazy, varied reactions of others. But to be able to walk forward with confidence. In fact, when I read that book, it actually gave me the courage and, and also showed me how clearly I, there was this call that I needed to make that I'd been putting off and putting off mm. and putting off. And I just pulled the trigger like the next week on that. And it, when it completely changed the direction of our church. And we continue to feel the benefits of it today. So, uh, you know, I would recommend a failure of nerve as a book that people could read. But, you know, you work as an executive pastor. You work with a lot of staff members. And in a sense, I view them all as kind of small church pastors, right? They're over their portion of the ministry. Uh, They're not over the entire ministry, but they're over segments of the ministry. Uh, I mean, have you seen somebody who's developed courage over time to where when they came in, they you know, they were, they were a good leader, but now maybe they're a great leader because they developed that quality.
1: Absolutely. As I was thinking about these three, three examples, sort of conceptual examples uh, that I mentioned, saying no, confronting sin, speaking truth, that, uh, several stories popped, uh, to mind. Um, the one, the, that, second one, they're confronting sin so, uh, quite a while back, um, even though no one would be able to guess or figure it out, I think it's probably best not to name the ministry. Sure. Just not to get too specific. But a particular volunteer leader was having an affair, and it was really odd. No one wanted to touch it. No one wanted to get near it. And no one, hmm. and even this particular staff member was like, "Well, do you, do you think I should talk to them?" I said, "Do I think you should talk to them?" <laughs> No, just let it go. It's cool, I mean you know and, and but but there was this you know a young twenty something and and just never had done it before that's fair mm. and but watching him uh, step up and engage and confront it, and you know speaking truth and love but but nonetheless, do it, I watched him literally blossom from that one act of courage and begin to transform him to the point where uh he 's very willing to step up and take bigger and bigger challenges, but it took that first one that first uh kind of like, you know i 'm scared out of my mind, but i'll i'll try it and mm-hmm. once he did, it went great
0: so again we 're talking about six words for small church leaders, so if you 're listening you 're a small church leader you 're a pastor or or some at some level of leadership that first word is courage, and that that is absolutely and i I just think of Moses. I mean, you think of all of the leaders throughout Scripture. They all needed courage. Um, the second word, Dan, you've got here is invest, and almost the word investment, that as leaders we invest in other people. So unpack that a little bit for us.
1: Right. Um, as I recall that, that article, it's that uh, pouring into your leaders is uh, almost like depositing money in a bank account. Uh, it, it sometimes it doesn't seem like a lot fast or upfront or quickly, because it's not an add water and stir thing. It takes time for it to compound, mm-hmm. and and leaders will often give up. But <clears throat> I like to encourage uh, leaders, really of all size churches, but in particular smaller church uh, uh, churches, to focus on simplicity and consistency, and investing whether it's simply you know, gathering a group up, picking a leadership book and huddling up once a month and asking questions like, you know, what are you learning and how are you applying it? Very simple approaches, but if practiced consistently, leadership, uh, that sort of leadership investment or development really gets strong week after week after week. Um, I I think you guys, what you're doing is incredible, uh, an example of – Investment. I mean, how, when, you, when you guys think about it, how do you relate what we're doing to that? Well, I
2: mean, Jeff and I have had this conversation a lot recently. Uh, we've, you know, just passed the one-year mark of doing the podcast. And, and I said, I think this might be the first time in memory I've done something this consistently for a full year without getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, So we're investing, you know, in each other and in ourselves by looking over these leadership things and by talking to guys like you uh, who who give us so much. But, you know, we're also investing into anybody who listens uh, and, you know, anybody who tunes in to to hear Carl Vaders or or you talk, I mean, or us. I always put myself at the bottom of that list. (laughs) That's a different (laughs) tier. But, you know, we're investing into the lives of small church pastors. And, yeah, there's a lot of value to that. And. You know, I think that our flexibility as small church leaders gives us the time and the ability in some way to do this uh, to do this very unique podcast
0: and what you said, Dan, you talked about investing and you talked about time, and I think that's that's an important point is that small church pastors have to be patient because as they're investing in people and even in their their church as a whole, sometimes it just takes time. Before you see any significant return,
1: it it really does. And one of the one one thing that is very encouraging in terms of this idea of investment and uh, particularly investment in developing leadership, developing leaders, is one uh, one leader, one new leader can change your church. I mean, just one can absolutely change a church. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about this long-term and the smaller size and we don't have enough and all that, I think the positive side of that is one one new leader, two new leaders, three new leaders is an incredible difference maker.
0: And I would say to you listening, why don't you be that new leader? What is it going to take? What would it take? How hard would it be for you to become that one new leader in your church. So, Johnny, what's the next one?
2: The next word that you have is faith, and faith is a difficult thing to define sometimes. Um, but you, I think you have some pretty good points about faith being the next word for small church leaders.
1: I, I think faith, uh, obviously, you know, that's the, at the core of who we are and our salvation, and we understand. God's grace and love, and we, we get that as, as theologians and Bible students. Sometimes when it comes to leadership or taking or words we've been talking about like courage, we can stumble a bit. And I, I think what I would share with the, the leaders listening in is to take small steps, sort of uh, step out of the boat, take a risk. You actually can practice these kinds of things. We don't often think of practicing faith, but you really do. And um, I, I remember even, you know, even in the New Testament, the one thing Jesus got frustrated with the, his disciples is their lack of faith. And like, how many times do I have to tell you? And how would it go over? You know, he was pushing them. He wanted them to step out. He wanted them to believe. He wanted them to take bigger steps. And <clears throat> that becomes practical for us when we think about things like uh, the balance of when we have to balance faith and prudence. Because it's one thing for us to have a theological conversation about faith and another thing then to go live it out. So, you know, one of the most common things we all work with is finances or a, a building campaign or raising capital. And we have to balance that thing we call faith, but also balance it with prudence. What's wise? How far can you stretch? How far can you put them together? But the only way I've seen that actually come to pass and be developed is to step out of the boat, take small steps, keep practicing, keep trying. If you make a mistake, it's all right. Get up and do it again.
0: You know, I remember this big, hairy, horrible situation I was in one time where I literally needed to jump out into the darkness and just 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 cast myself on God in this decision I had to make. Mm. I didn't want to make it, um, but I did, and God was at the bottom, and he caught me. And I'll tell you what, it increased my faith a lot. I I realized I, I can trust in God. God can be trusted. So I think you're right in that we, we practice it and we do develop it over time. Uh, the next word you've got in here is competence. And, again, words for small church leaders, competence. And you ask the question, you know, what are you good at? What are you good at? Because this, the strength the strengths that God gives us are the things that we actually use in our leadership. But then you talk about leaders in this article that you wrote for The Pastor's Coach. You said, no, leader is good at everything. So figure out what your strength is and lean into it. And that reminded me of the, uh, of the teaching that you know John Maxwell, your buddy, has, has pushed for so many years uh, to, be, to, to work on your strengths and not on your weaknesses, and And to be who you are, not what somebody else is, uh, but to be the best you you can be, so just expand on that a little bit that work on your strengths and not on your weaknesses within the context of the word competence
1: yeah, the best you get when you work on your weaknesses is zero. The best you get is back up from a negative number to zero, so when you work on your strengths though you're you're beginning to lean into. A much more un- unlimited or near unlimited sort of potential. Mm. We all understand that we, we have to all do things we don't like or want to do. But that's different from putting your what I call margin en- energy, putting your margin energy into areas that will never be productive, areas that you're not naturally gifted in. Uh, growth comes by managing the margins. We all, everybody does the basics, but it's in, whether it's in business or in ministry, we all have these very, very small margins. And what we do with those makes all the difference in the world. So if you really know what you're good at, which, by the way, requires some self-awareness. A lot of, a lot of guys I know, and I just love them to death, but they think they're great communicators, and they really aren't. Yeah. And, and, and it requires self-awareness, and it requires self-discipline. Um, you know there are, there are things I like to do, but I'm not any good at, so I, I don't get to let myself do them. But if you if you really get honest about what you're good at, and you're disciplined enough to put your margins into it, it is amazing how good you can get by leaning into that that sort of special thing God put into you. So, you know, sometimes it's a visionary. Maybe it is a communicator. Maybe it's a recruiter recruiting equipping machine. Maybe it's a, a fantastic administrator. But whatever that is. Um, lean into that not and, and get people around you to buttress the weaker weaker areas so that you can become really good at the way God wired you.
2: I think that the self awareness piece that you're talking about is so critical. Um, I know that I have volunteers and the difference between the ones that are self-aware and self-critical and the ones that are not is extraordinary. Yep. Um, don't don't wait for somebody else to tell you <laughs> that you're not gifted in an area. Uh, <laughs> if you can figure that out for yourself, you're going to be far uh, far ahead, I think. Well, and two, figuring
0: it out for yourself might be by asking. Right. So,
2: seek, yeah, seek feedback. Yeah, Again, all- that, my best volunteers are the ones who ask me, how could I be better? What could I do differently? Right.
1: Yep. Right. You know, one of the things that I say to our staff, which is, can be equated quite easily to, you know, all your volunteer leaders in a, in a smaller environment is lean into what you keep getting picked for, lean into the thing that people keep coming back to you and keep, people keep picking you to do rather than trying to get picked for what you want to do. If you'll just get really good at what you get constantly asked and picked, you know, for you You'll find you, you you kind of grow and mature into a place where you get to choose a, a little bit broader band, but still staying focused on what you're good at. Uh, but I, I do I, I agree with you. I see people who fight for things that no one wants them to do, <laughs> and and they get and everybody's frustrated rather than when the ones who find greater joy and productivity because they're doing the things they're really good at.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Dan. The next word that you have for small church leaders is. Patience. My mom used to say, patience is a virtue. Possess it if you can. And then there's an end to that that's very offensive to men. So I don't know that I need to say it all. But <laughs> do you, have you ever heard that? No, I've not, I but it's pretty cool. She'd say patience is a virtue possessed it if you can It's rarely in a woman and never in a man. Ooh, yes. That's how it was. <laughs> Smoking hot, Dan. So help us. <laughs> yeah, For for all the women out there who rarely have it and all the men who never have it, help us be patient, Dan. What do you got? Yeah, out?
1: we never have it, especially when we're driving on the freeway. Just get out of the <laughs> left lane, would you? You in, know, and, In Atlanta. <laughs> in Atlanta. Of course, in Atlanta, it's slow enough half the time on 85. Yeah, that exactly. You, yeah. You know, Patience is a, is a tough one for, for all of us. And I think, because I, I think leaders, you know, we want things to go fast. We want things, we want people to mature in less time. We want finances to increase quicker. And sometimes things though, they just, it's, it's not a mechanic thing, it's an organic thing. And you can't make your church grow. Uh, you do the right things like pray and encourage and develop leaders, share your faith, invite people, teach God's word. But there are some things we have to just wait on, and uh, sometimes it's even hardships. Sometimes there's you know tough roads and long roads. But here's what I believe: we we need to stay encouraging here. Uh, what I, what I believe is if we do the right things consistently, if we'll be patient in them, don't st- don't just jump to the next program or jump to the next conference. But if we'll do the right things over and over and stay consistent in them that eventually the results do come. Now, remember earlier when we were talking about the size of your church is up to God, mm-hmm. right. but it, it will grow. It will grow, and if we'll just be patient with that, God will take it to where he wants it to go.
0: Yeah, and you, you said the quote of the episode just a few seconds ago, it's not a mechanic thing, and it's an organic thing, and an organic thing is something that God grows Yep. so I really appreciate that. Dan, the very last word is the word love. And, and you wrote, the core of your leadership is based on that love. And, and that's God's extraordinary love for us. Uh, the core of our leadership is based on love. Just explain that a little bit.
1: Well, here's what we all know. I mean, 1 John 4, we, God's, God is love. And that foundational biblical truth helps us keep centered, on the fact that christian leadership must be first and foremost redemptive period it must be redemptive hmm. we we focus on things like vision and strategy and effectiveness and blah, 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 which is all great it's all good have to do that but it all falls completely short if it's not redemptive in nature meaning a leadership that restores it makes new it makes it makes whole it makes something new I remember I remember sitting with a a bunch of twenty uh, something leaders and residents, and they were asking some really cool questions. And, and And I said, I said, they were talking about, well, tell us about having to fire somebody. Hmm. And I said, well, I said, here's the thing. First, the first thing you have to understand is how to fire somebody redemptively. And they looked at me like I was smoking crack or something. Said, you, how can you be redemptive and fire somebody? And it, And I said, you absolutely can by honoring them and the way you do it and how you say it and dignity and the process. And anyways, Mm. we stepped it all out. But the truth of the matter is it's a completely different way of making sure we stay grounded in God's love by making sure our leadership is first redemptive. Then things like vision, strategy, effectiveness and so forth become really powerful. I'm I'm
2: thinking about paraphrasing 1 Corinthians 13. I can lead as well as Andy Stanley, but without love, it's nothing. I can vision as well as... I don't know who visions well. <laughs> the guy in uh, Chicago. <laughs> Craig Rochelle. Picture yeah, Rochelle. Yeah. 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 I gotta bone up on my megachurch <laughs> hey, That's, right. That's Dan, right.
0: Dan, he just he just relegated Bill Hybels to the, the guy, guy in Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> Bill
1: Hybels is the guy in Chicago. Yes. yes. <laughs> Look, I'm Bill, Larry you're nothing Bill. to me. <laughs> We're still friends, yes. <laughs>
0: Well, hey, Dan, it has been really good. This episode has been great. I hope that the, our listeners will, will take these six words and, and just allow uh, God to grow them in these areas. Uh, and, you know, too, I'm thinking about the issue of grace. I was just in a, in a session earlier today and, and had to tell somebody, you know what, you don't need to fix yourself. God loves you just the way you are. Just, just enjoy being fixed. And uh, that might Mm. help you. So I would say that to pastors, you know, you uh, you just these six words are important, but God loves you and he's going to use you just the way you are. You're as fixed as you're going to be to please him. uh, So allow
1: God to use you. Dan, promise you'll come back next month. I'm coming back as long as you want me to. (laughs) As long as you think it's helpful. I will. I will. And I, I would I would add one. Real short note here on these yeah. six words, yep. and, that, and that is um, don't necessarily be caught up or get, get into a work sort of frenzy that you have to do all six words right now. Mm-hmm. Just maybe the Holy Spirit prompt you to pick one to work on, and maybe one down the road. Um, taking, taking one at a time, uh, letting, letting God kind of guide the way, be freed up in that, and maybe go knock out the rest of the words another time.
0: Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Dan,
0: and we're going to talk to you next month. All right. We'll talk then. That was our conversation with Dan Ryland. If you want to look into Dan's ministry, you can find his blog posts and some of his leadership lessons at danryland.com, and all those links you can find at 200churches.com.
2: You know, Dan is such a great guy, and he's an executive pastor at 12 Stone Church, and I think I mean, I think we should get him to come be our executive pastor, Jeff.
0: Well, he's the executive pastor at a mega church. Yeah. But he works with all of the pastors of the different ministries throughout the church. So he's really working with 200 church pastors of their own little fiefdoms.
2: I'm just saying we he could
0: come here yeah well we told him we invited him to come that yeah. way we wouldn't have to mess around with the technology of connecting with him every month
2: that's right. he would just be you know, in house he He'd could be just be here we staff. could just record yeah. this
0: i mean we can't pay him but other than that, that
2: uh, you know money money apparently that's
0: a, apparently that's a deal breaker <laughs> i don't oh, understand geez. it but it is oh geez. anyway my word these six words my word was invest i mean my word was love because i think love is the foundation of all of creation, of everything, right? So Absolutely. Love is definitely, and he put it at the, as the last word, it's kind of that foundation stone of what a pastor is and what a pastor does. But the word that really jumped out at me and uh, as I was listening to this again is the word invest and thinking about how we invest in people. But I was thinking more about how we invest over time so that people get to know us in our 200 church, they get to see our lives, they get to watch our family, and over time, you make an investment in people. Now, just this past weekend I was able to baptize a 15-year-old boy who I've seen in my 10 years here at this church go from five years old to 15 years old. And hopefully he has learned some things from me simply through that investment of time, not maybe particularly through one specific message or lesson. So as you are serving in your church, just look at every day, every week, every Sunday, just another link in this long chain of investment in your people.
2: You know, I think that my word kind of plays in with your word. My word was patience, and it takes patience to invest in people. Yes, it does. It takes patience to stick around a church past the first five. There's got to be a five-year hump to where it's like I could hit the road now or I can stay and do this thing. Well, I've been 10 years, and I haven't hit the hump yet.
0: You never hit a hump. If I have, I haven't noticed it. You were going so
2: fast over the speed bumps, you didn't even feel them. them. (laughs) But I'm just saying, it takes patience. And and Dan uh, talks about patience comes from hardship. And we know this is true, right? From the book of James, it tells you to to count it joy right, when you have hardships in your life because it produces patience. That's how patience can become a finished work in us. And so patience is so important for small church pastors. And this is something I'm learning slowly. As a 27-year-old, patience doesn't come naturally. Um, But it's, it's so vitally important because if I'm not patient with people, I'm going to alienate them. If I'm not patient with making change, then I'm going to push people away. I mean, and that's what it all comes down to. It all comes down to our relationships with people and being patient and taking the steps and moving forward in uh, organic types of ways, letting growth happen organically, just taking our time It's not something that's easy for me, but it is so, so important that I recognize that that is what it means to be a pastor. In an upcoming
0: episode, I was looking ahead at some of the notes for the future. In an upcoming episode that we're going to do with Dan, we're talking about young leaders and what young leaders need to remember. That's one of the things he's going to talk about, is is patience, because as a young leader, I mean, you hit the
2: ground running. You just want things to happen. Absolutely. So thank you so much to Dan for being on the podcast again for helping us out and again if you're encouraged by this leave us a rating on itunes write a little review tell everybody that i'm the more handsome host something like that you don't have to write that i'm just saying you could write that but just give us a rating on itunes spread this around and help us encourage more and more small church pastors out there who who might be dying on the vine a little bit we really want to be an encouragement to the When
0: we people. put up headshots on our website, yeah. I'm going to put up my 27-year-old headshot next to your current 27-year-old headshot. <laughs> we'll see we'll see who's more handsome.
2: Uh, that sounds that sounds like a fair okay. fight.
0: Hey, thank you very much for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast.
2: We hope you've been encouraged and challenged by this
0: episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. We'll be back next Wednesday to provide you with more ministry encouragement as you pastor your 200 church. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love your people.